Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now hear the reading of God's word. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated, please. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Did you listen as Mary read? Did you pay attention to what it said, or were you just kind of sitting there thinking, oh, okay, great passage. And, and understand as we move in Colossians from chapters 1 and 2 to chapters 3 and 4 that, that we move from the, the theology to the practical. I love it when we get to the practical. I like it when my theology works out in my life. And you're going to like it when your theology works out in your life. You know, a number of years ago, I was preaching from Romans. Do you remember that? And I quit. We got to chapter 7, and I quit. Yes, that was terrible. Maybe we'll get back to Romans again. Because at that divide, chapters 7 and 8 of Romans, it moves from the theology to the practical. You suffered through seven chapters of Romans, through theology, the same thing every Sunday, and then I quit. We're not quitting Colossians. We're moving from the theology to the practical. And if you're going to check out on me today, just get one thing in mind. Keep looking up. You get nothing else from the message today? Keep looking up. How many of you remember Candid Camera? Wow, really? Some of you aren't old enough to remember Candid Camera. Years of reruns, thank you. One of the th episodes in Candid Camera had this guy out on this busy street and, and he's kind of wandering around, and he begins to look down. And people are going by him, and, and he's looking down, and he's looking down. And, and after a while, he gets down on his hands and his knees. And, and he's doing this, and, and these people are walking by wondering, what's going on? And pretty soon, other people begin to, who are passing by, begin to look where this guy's looking. And, and pretty soon, some of them get down on their hands and knees and are looking with him. And as time goes by, and there must have been a dozen people looking on this sidewalk, the man gets up and he walks away. And if you're familiar with Candid Karma, they love those kind of episodes where, where they, they see the reaction of people. And it was just fun to sit there and watch what was going on when he's gone. Nobody asked what he was doing. Nobody asked what he was looking for. They just did what he did. You know, I think sometimes society is like that today. 
that we know that there's something lost, that, that we don't quite have it all figured out. And, and our heads are down and we're just walking along looking for whatever we think is missing and we have no clue what that is. This morning as we look at these verses, we see what we ought to be doing. Not going through life with our heads down, not on our hands and knees looking for something that we aren't sure about, but with our heads held high looking to the one who knows all. You know, people are searching for something, anything that will make their life more fulfilled. And as you look at life, you look at people trying all kinds of different things, looking all kinds of different ways. The only problem is too many of them forget to look up. My friends, if we're going to break free from the past, we need to put our eyes on that which is important, that which is lasting. Understand that what we believe determines in large part how we behave. Do you believe that? I believe something, I'm going to act upon that. Do you understand that? And you do the same type of thing. Titus says something kind of fun. Titus chapter 1 verse 6 says, They claim to know God, but their actions, they deny Him. Belief results in actions. If you truly believe in God, then you're going to act in a way that behooves yourself to believe in God. If you truly follow Him, then you're going to be doing things that you might not do otherwise. Specifically, if we get Christ right we get everything else right. So chapters 1 and 2 was trying to get you right. Chapters 1 and 2 is getting our theology set. And now we move to chapters 3 and chapter 4. And that is doing the right thing. So what is God's plan here? What, what is hidden in these verses? I, I want you looking for the right stuff, okay? So we look in these verses, and, and Paul argues that we are set free from the powers around us. We got that in chapters 1 and 2. We're no longer subject to the law. We are no longer repressed to do things because they are things. But we are pressed to live a life that is moral. We are pressed to live a life that seeks God, that we might know and understand the direction to go. So God's plan is to make us new and then to challenge us as new people. Let's make us new. Let's get our heart right. And when our heart is right, then we begin to live like new people. We no longer have to be like we have always been. If you find yourself down in the dumps, if you find yourself confused, if you find yourself not knowing where you're going and what you're doing, you don't have to live that way any longer. We can look and we can see and we can gain direction. And as we look at this passage, verses 1 through 4, we get the call to look up. We don't have to grovel on our knees anymore. We get the call to look up. Now, if you're paying attention in the past weeks, 
we see that there are parallels between chapter 2 and chapter 3. In fact, look at chapter 2, verse 20, if you have your Bibles open. For it says, since you died with what? Christ. Since you died with Christ, then it talks about we do not have to follow the rules of a hollow and deceptive philosophy. We don't have to have all the rules and do all the rules if we've died with Christ. Because we're under new ownership. There's new things going on. And, and if you look at chapter 3, verse 1, and, and they'll put it up there, it says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Ooh, I, I like that. Chapter 2, verse 20, since you've died with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, since you've been raised with Christ. And it tells us that we have a new status and therefore a new way of life. Look at that. Died with Christ, raised with Christ. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 tells us that we have been seated with him in the heavenly places. Got that? All right, let's go over this. I want you to make sure. Died with Christ. Raised with Christ. And now we get to sit down. Where are we sitting? What does it say there? We have been seated with him in the heavenly places. I like that. You see... Christ puts it to death, but we're raised with Christ, and now we get to sit in the heavenly places. Remember last week we had the so's? We got another so here. So, we are to set our hearts on the things above. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 again. You'll see it up there. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above above. Now, now that's great news, because if we truly set our hearts on things above, we will experience power and freedom here on earth. And the word set means to seek something out with a desire to possess it. Set your hearts on the things above. Our desire is to possess that which is above, to be a part of that which God has made, to walk in the direction that God has directed us to walk. Then, when we look at that word said, it's in the present tense, which implies that we are to continue to seek the things above daily, minute by minute. Not just in the morning, oh God, help me to be your servant today, amen. And then we go live life. Then we come home at night and go to bed, and, oh Lord, thank you for helping me be your servant today, amen. No, no, no. It's minute by minute by minute. Lord, am I following your direction? Lord, am I going your direction? Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Lord, am I at work? Am I treating my, my fellow workers fairly? Lord, am I being kind to the people there? Lord, am I going to be a witness? Lord, as I teach, is my teacher here going to see or my students here going to see me in, in Christ? Moment by moment, day by day, set your hearts on the things above. Is that difficult? Well, no, no, let me start someplace else. Is that difficult to understand? No, that's not difficult to understand, is it? Is it difficult to do that? 
Yeah, it is. It is hard to keep our attention where it needs to be. But that's the whole point, is we need to work at that. We need to set our hearts on the things above. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend thinking about? You see, those are important questions. Because when you look and see where you spend your time, see what you do, that is where your heart is. That's tough. That's tough to constantly be in contact with God. You see, knowing that Christ is seated, well, look at that, at the right hand of God provides a much-needed reminder that Jesus is supreme and in control. Now, follow this thinking. I want to look up above. I want to do the right thing. I want to follow somebody who knows what they're doing. So who knows what they're doing? Well, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You think that might be all right to follow him? You think he might have a clue as to what's going on, as to what needs to be done in our life? And day by day, we need to seek him because he has that position. It's a reminder that he is supreme and that he is in control. All right, let's look at this now. The first imperative is to set your hearts on things above. Now look at verse 2 for the second imperative. Set your minds where? On things above. Well, wait a minute. What did verse 1 say? Go back to verse 1. Set your hearts on things above. Now let's go to verse 2 again. Set your minds on things above. So what are we to do? Do we set our hearts on things above or do we set our minds on things above? Yes, that is right. We set our hearts and our minds on things above. You know, that almost makes me think that we get so heavenly we are no earthly good. You've heard that? Is that the way you know some Christians to be? You know, we got to be careful. Because our hearts are set on things above. Our minds are set on things above. Guess where our feet are? They're on earth, aren't they? And I, you know, last night I didn't sleep well. Because I was thinking about this, and I usually go over my message just before I go to bed. And oftentimes it puts me to sleep. This one kept me awake. Because I, I was looking at this whole idea, this whole concept of, of heart above, mind above, feet on the ground. And I think that's the way God prepared us, the way he planned it. Because he wants us in touch, he wants us in tune, but we have to walk this earth. We have to find teachers, we have to find students, we have to find co-workers, we have to find family, we have to find people. We are God's representatives here on earth. Now, when you get so you get to go home, then you get to 
go home. But in the meantime, guess where you are? You are here at home on earth. So you make something out of that. Remember what Paul said, for me to die is what? Oh, I got two things. I had Christ and gain. Okay, think this through. For me to die is gain. Because he saw himself getting to go to heaven to be with God. For me to live is Christ. Because Christ still wanted him here to do to be the feet on this earth. Heart above, mind above, feet on earth. Guess what? You're still here. Most of you walked in. Okay, all of you walked in. That means you still have a job to do here on earth. But there's a problem here. The feet on the earth sometimes get in our way, don't they? When we get too earthly and we forget to have our heart and our mind in heaven, what happens? Then we are no good at all. I mean, it's bad to be too heavenly that we can't even relate to people on earth. It's worse to be too earthly and everybody relates to us. You know, we are called to be light we are called to be different. We are called to be a witness. And we find ourselves always looking down with our feet on the earth and, and with everybody who is here on earth, then we are no witness at all. You see, our hearts and our minds need to be connected to the source so that our feet there, that they then can walk with people who need to hear, people who need the message. You know, I look at these two candles and I sit over there and I notice one's lit, one is not. That one probably has oil in it. Who knows what this one has? And I think sometimes this is what we're talking about. The, the one with the heart and the mind connected to God burns a light. The one that's feet is on the earth, but that's it. There is no light. If we were to turn out the lights and cover all the windows, we would want the light to follow, not the darkness. You see, there's a responsibility for us. And so as we come here, we are told, set your hearts on things above. Set our minds on things above fix our gaze on things above, then God will change our desires. He will change our hearts. Philippians 4.8. We've talked about that before. You remember what that says? Who has it memorized? There it is. Look how that appeared. Finally, what? Brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where do you think the heart and the mind is in that verse? Above. Above. 
You want homework assignment? There it is. Oh, but pastor, your homework assignments are so hard. Well, yeah. Finally. Finally. Whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Get the mind, get the heart with God. And then your feet won't have to worry about being on earth because your heart is connected, your mind is connected. And then you're going to be a walking sermon. Do you realize you're a walking sermon anyway? The question is, how are you walking? Your feet stumbling? Where's your heart? Where's your mind? You see, by seeking what Christ desires, we have the power to break the chains that hold us. We really do. All right. Let's look at reasons to look up. Let's look at our, our position in Christ. Let's look at some truths that are shared with us in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Let me suggest five things. You have them there in your bulletin if you want to fill them in. The first one is, a truth, is that we've died. Now, now this is good, a good death, not a bad death. For it says, you have died. The great news here is then that we have no obligation to live like we used to live. You don't have to. Do some of you do that? Some of us choose to do that, don't we? For some reason, it is hard for us to move into that setting our hearts and our minds above. For some reason, it is easier for us just to, just to stay the way we've always been. But you see, we have died to that. When we receive Christ, he makes us a new creation. I, I like this statement. I, I stole this one. Because we've died with Christ, we should have as little desire for improper worldly pleasures as a dead person would have. Okay, let me say it again. You didn't quite get that. Because I liked it. You didn't seem to, it just went over your head, it looked like. Because we've died with Christ, you got that so far? We, you know, we're dead with Christ, okay? We should have as little desire for improper worldly pleasures as a Ted person would have. Now, you want me to do that again? Okay, I won't read it. I'll just explain it to you. How many improper worldly pleasures does a dead person have? None! When we die with Christ... How many improper worldly pleasures should we have? And the answer is none. Did you get it now? Wow. I sure hope second service does better with that one. You see, when we die with Christ, it's not just a cosmetic makeover. 
Men, I know you got up this morning. I'm not picking on the women because I always get in trouble when I pick on the women. Men, you got up to get you put all your makeup on, right? That's not dying with Christ. It's not a makeup cover over. What you are is what you are. It's Christ. You're died to the world. That's great news. You know, okay, you builder women. See, I'm being fair here. You build something, and you don't add a Christian veneer to it, a Christian laminate to it. It's dead. You're not just putting on a fake front. Do you get that? When we are dead in Christ, we can leave the old behind. It's not you flip a switch and all of a sudden, you're the good Christian who shows up on Sunday morning. And then on Monday, you flip the switch back and you go back to doing whatever you do. When we are dead, not physically dead, but when we are dead, we are dead to the world. All right, that's one truth. A second truth. And that is our life is hidden with Christ. Okay, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. See, this is not rocket science. You look at scripture and you say, okay, what are the truths here? The truth is it says that we've died. Okay, we understand what that means. Then it says, and our life is now hidden with Christ. Now think about this. Where is Jesus right now? I mean, I know he's in his, our hearts, but, but where does it say that Jesus is? Sitting on the right hand of God. Now, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Guess where we've hidden that? With Christ who is sitting at the right hand of God. You think it's pretty safe there? It's really safe there. Wow. I like that. Our life is hidden with Christ. This gives us both security and satisfaction. Can you think of a more secure place than to be with Christ? All right, let's look at a third truth here. Verse 4. And that is Christ is our life. All right, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, hmm, who is your life, see where I got that? The truth. Christ is our life. He is what our life is all about because without him, we would be dead in our sins. But with Christ, we are dead in Christ. How does that happen? Because Christ took on the sin of the world. The sinless took on sin, took it away from us. John 14, 6, another great verse. What does it say? Nobody has that one either. Jerry Fox, where are you? You have all these verses. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. 
Obviously, you haven't been to many of my funerals, okay? Because I always share that verse because it's a beautiful verse to, to witness with the people who may never come into church except for funerals. Jesus says, I am the way. Thank you. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the... I knew you had it. You just had to be coerced. If this is true, if he is the way and the truth and the life, what do we have to fear? What do you have to fear? Because he is the way and the truth and the life. When Christ, who is your life, he's my life. He's my way. He's my truth. I like that. But look further. The next truth is that Christ will come again. What does it say at the beginning there? What's that word? When Christ, who is your life, does what? Appears. It is better translated whenever Christ appears. It is a fact. He is coming back. It is a known entity. So if he's coming back, by the way, anybody have relatives coming and visiting with you? Especially relatives you like? What do you do when relatives come to visit the ones you like? You look for them, don't you? You're anxious. I know you clean the house and do all those things, but, but you look for them. You're anxious because you know they're coming. And if you have little children and grandma and grandpa are coming and they like grandma and grandpa, they can hardly wait. They're looking out the window. They're on the couch staring out there until they see the car drive up and then grandma and grandpa are here. When Christ, who is your life, appears, he's coming. We should be looking. We should be anxious. Every morning, I want you to go to your kitchen window, and I want you to look out and say, Are you here yet, Jesus? I'm ready. I mean, I really don't want to go right now, but if you're coming, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's get it on. See, that's great. Because we know that Christ will come again. And then look at the fifth truth here. We will appear with him in glory. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The verb appears means to make a visible, to make visible what is invisible. It is then that which has been hidden will be made known. Wait a minute, what does verse 3 say? For you died and your life is now hidden. And now it says that which is hidden will be made known. See, Jesus has been keeping track of it. He's put it away until the time comes. When he comes, when he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen to John chapter 3 verse 2. But we know, see that's definite, isn't it? It isn't say we suppose or maybe. But it says we know that when he appears, wait a minute, 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, and then John 3, 2, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Is that good news? How come some of you are yawning? This is good news. Because we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Do you want to be like Jesus? Get rid of this tent that's so holy or not holy? Wow. Wow. We shall be like him. So, okay, let's see. In case you were sleeping, let's go over this. Paul is urging us to look up and remember who we are now. Who we once were. Don't spend too much time on that one, okay? And who we will be when Christ returns. You can spend a lot of time on that one. Because that's great news. So, we must be conscious and deliberate. Some of you are not conscious out there, I can tell. We must be conscious, deliberate, and daily looking up and setting our hearts and our minds on heavenly things. Our outlook, no, no, let me change that. Our uplook determines our outcome. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that we can be victorious. Sometimes we just don't understand that. Sometimes when we get so caught up with things on this earth, sometimes when our feet stumble when they should be leaping, <laughs> maybe even dancing, may our hearts and our minds be yours. May they fly. May they look up. May they see you there. May we be yours. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have our ushers come forward now to receive the offering. We're going to do a new song for you. We're going to have the lyrics up on the screen. But I would just encourage you to listen and let this be a time between you and God. And let this become a prayer. Your presence I know There I am
Now I 
the words there that they just sang? Look at that. There is no one else for me, none but Jesus, crucified to set me free. He died that we might die. Now I live to bring him praise. That's that upward looking. Now, Court, I know you come just for this time because you never know what I'm going to say, and I don't either, but this is good. I just thought of this. Anybody run track in high school or junior high? Anybody do the hurdles? Anybody do the hurdles? You did. All right. You know, this is great. Have you ever thought about a hurdler? Now, if their head is down, they just keep running, and what happens to them? They fall over the hurdle. Now, the people who are good hurdlers, they keep their head up, they run, and when they get to the hurdle, they hurdle over the hurdle. They go up, right? These are the good ones. The bad ones don't do that. But think about life that way. Hurdles come to us in life. Problems come to us in life. If our head is down, if we just groan and moan all 